Welcome back to That Rugby Podcast. You are joined by myself, Luke, and my co-host, Husey, 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 Husey. Australian teams finally depart the Super Rugby Tournament. Um, I guess not unexpected, but disappointing for you Australians nonetheless. Yeah, valiant effort by the Brumbies. Um, I think a really, really good show. To, to go off there, go over there. It was a defensive struggle, that's for sure, between those two teams. But we'll expand more upon that later. Yeah, it was. And and definitely can exit the competition with the heads held high. Um, but shall we kick off with what was the first game? And which yes. was a rugby clinic. Uh, if you've ever yeah. seen a rugby clinic, that is probably the biggest rugby clinic that you've ever has ever been put on in a semi final. Of rugby, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen a performance like that before. No, it was shocking. I I saw actually just because of the um, time differences, so I saw like some highlights going up on Twitter and stuff like relatively early, and I thought, oh, that's good. They're doing some old highlights before the game goes on because they were using such high language. Like, oh my god, what an amazing try! clinical perfect execution i was like, oh it's good you know they're hyping up the matchup and then i was like oh no this is the actual game this is the current blues getting torn apart right here this isn't like from earlier in the year this isn't from last year or anything this is the current blues getting absolutely shredded um yeah i think the blues this year uh it's hard you know i don't want to take anything away from them but they really felt like pretenders to the throne this year i never it never felt like this is the blues year to 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 take it if you know what I mean like totally I and and they were getting yeah. hot at the right time I I totally yeah. see what you were meaning but like the performance against Moana Pacifica when they named mm. if if just about a full strength side and to beat them only by a point and yeah that they they definitely felt off the ball off the ball I guess um, this year I, I must say going into this game I I, I predicted it myself that the Blues were actually going to win as we remember mm. from last week's podcast I. Thought they were in with a chance. You look at the team, and on paper, there's stars everywhere. There's ability yeah. everywhere. And that's what's to me, is so impressive about this Crusaders victory. Like It wasn't like this was a uh, a run-of-the-mill Blues team or even, you know, just a... This is uh, Leon McDonald, who we, we now know is a very good coach. Coach team with Bowden Barrett, arguably would have been up there with one of the greatest of all blacks of all time. Uh, uh, Rico Ioane, that could go down as one of the best attacking weapons for the All Blacks of all time. You know, yeah. they've got probably the game-breaker of the season and Mark Talia. It just, it was, you sat there and you just went, what the F is happening mm. here? How have the Crusaders done it again when they've been yeah. dismantled? They're about 10 All Blacks down. Yeah. It's just, look, it is, I guess, it, it's more uh, evidence stacking up for the uh, Razor fantastic coaching thing and uh you know all blacks fans are probably very excited to see the crusaders doing this and it's the first time they're probably ever excited to see the crusaders doing this because they're thinking at least okay at least we're getting that coach you know well that's that's the one and only good reason for any uh new zealand rugby fan outside of the canterbury crusader region to actually like that the crusaders are doing well because it probably means the all blacks would do well and especially yep. this year, going into this year, when the Crusaders started slow, I ain't going to lie, I got a bit nervous. I sat there mm. and I was like, is Razor all he's hyped up to be? Is Razor going to be that guy? Since since la- what I saw last week, 
Man, you you hire Eddie Jones. I'm not even bothered. You're never gonna if you don't win the Blitter Slow this year, you're never winning it. Not with Razor <laughs> in charge. It's gonna be ours. We're gonna be back. To, he can stay in the All Blacks job as long as he wants it because we're gonna go back to back to back World Cups with him. That's how impressed I was by this performance. Yeah. I just sat there and I said, "Look, they've got. I know they've got Richie Moanga and Lester Fanganuku, but and even their two centres had admittedly played for the All Blacks as well." But weren't superstars. Will Jordan at the back, but it was it was what they did with their forward pack, which lacked All Black experience. You know they had Oliaga, uh, Cody Taylor, All Black, Tamati Williams, Tamatai Williams, now an All Black. But then Scott Barrett, and that was it. Like Christian Leo Willie has been a big name for them this season. It just mm. seems like they continue to do this. They pull players out, and as soon as they put on that red and black, they become a different level of player like this. This is a I, this arguably could have been like a, 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 a an A minus Crusaders side when you look at it. Yeah, I think it's because even you could say because of the slow start to the Crusader season um, and turning that around, it's even more impressive than if they'd been dominant all season because it shows he's got the ability to work through adversity. Like it's one thing to be a successful coach with a good team, right? Now I think. You could say, if for the American football fans out there, Bill Belichick is going to go down as one of the most successful, one of the greatest coaches in American football history. But he's all—he was really good at coaching successful teams, at coaching the New England Patriots that had the Tom Brady there. Since Tom Brady hasn't been there, the Patriots have been an average team. He hasn't necessarily coached up from adversity that well. He started out in his career, maybe you could argue doing that, but that was also off the back of having the GOAT and undiscovered six-round draft pick on his team. So it, it is one of those things where I, I personally find it more more impressive as a, of a coach to turn around a really struggling team and build them into a successful team. That's why I look at Andy Reid for the Kansas City Chiefs. Like when he came in there, they were coming off the back of, I think, a 1-15 in season or something and turned that team around into now they're a dynastic, uh, one of the greatest teams of, of all time, arguably, up there. Uh, so that's, I think, really impressive coaching is not is being able to coach when you're successful and also when you're not successful and to turn yourself from a failure into a success. And that's what I, I don't think anyone would say at the start of the year for the Crusaders was a failure, but it definitely wasn't Crusaders standard. It definitely was adversity that Crusaders weren't used to um, experiencing, you know, getting beaten twice, getting beaten by the Chiefs at home and not even being able to get revenge uh, after that. And just that sort of, you know, losing to Fiji as well uh, and a tight match against the Blues, like, it's not the it's not what we're used to from the Crusaders. How do they manage it? Well, they bounce back and now they're in the finals once more. So, I think there's as clear a possible answer there. Yeah, totally. And and the only thing, I guess, as, as a rugby fan, I'm a little bit disappointed about is that we'll never see Razor and uh, Richie Moonga tag team with the All Blacks with Richie leaving overseas because I don't, whatever... Razor can do to get it out of of, of Moonga. It's it's special because he played fantastically well there. Now isn't isn't Richie just taking? Is he he just taking the one year? Is it no? Uh, it's he's more done. than one year. Yeah. Um. Well, he may. No, it's Artie he, taking the one year. Isn't he's he definitely hasn't signed a sabbatical. Artie's taking yeah. a sabbatical, so he signed the That's one right. year. But um, there's always you know they always can come back. Yeah. Leicester Fanganaku, hopefully. Um. But yeah, I mean. I sit there now and I go, look, what a performance. I do, I have questions about, a lot of questions about the Blues. I don't know, defensively a lot, watched a lot of their tries. And it's been a big 
um, nitpick of mine of, 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 of a player named Caleb Clark is he loves to jam, absolutely mm. loves to jam. And he wasn't the only one. Rico Ioane got caught out a couple of times. Uh, Mark Talia got caught out a couple of times. It seemed like they hadn't game planned for what they saw from the Crusaders. I don't know. Because yeah. honestly, on paper, when you match the two teams up, the talent, you can't say that there was that clear of a distinct advantage. So it came down to preparedness and ability to, I guess, hit that game plan that, A, the Crusaders were targeting versus the Blues. So, I mean, again, Crusaders dynasty, they make another final. I would say after that performance, even just about going as favourites, as close as you can to probably the smallest underdogs, with the way they performed, if it had been a narrow win, you'd still be on the Chiefs' side. But the way the Crusaders have performed the past few weeks, the way they put the Dura to the sword, the way they put now the Blues to the sword, I go, man, the Chiefs have got their work cut out for them. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's not going to be easy. And I guess it brings us into the Chiefs game because that semi-final against the Brumbies wasn't easy. Uh, they were trading penalties basically for the first half uh, with the Chiefs taking a slight lead into into halftime. And then, yeah, with I think about five minutes or something to go, the Chiefs scored the only try of the game. So a real defensive slugfest for both teams. Um, really outstanding defense from the Chiefs is the main thing that stood out for me. Like I, the Brumbies had some rookie mistakes in this game. I think this game, Tom Wright almost played himself out of a Wallabies jersey. Like it was honestly a really bad performance. There was one point where he went for, he, he was doing the dropout uh after they held a try up and he uh just fucked the kick utterly and the chiefs were right back on their line attacking straight away and luckily the brumbies were able to force a knock on there and he he can thank james slipper for that one i think but uh it was just it, it was not his finest hour and i think from a few of the brumbies they'll probably be really regretting some missed chances in there i think there was some you know there's always going to be um some grumbling about missed calls and dodgy calls i think i think the brumbies uh you know, might be justified in a couple of them, but uh, even as an Australian fan, I could, I could, I'm not that fired up about the, the calls making the difference in this game. Like, I think it is, it's truly out and out. The better team did win. I think the Brumbies gave a really good account for themselves. And I think if they played another game, I still think it'd be very, very tight and very, very close. So I don't, I, you know, they could come away with a win if they played again, but for sure, this is finals time. This is it. You have to, you've got one chance and, uh, you got one chance every game, and if you don't get it, then then that's that. And the Chiefs did enough to hold on. The Chiefs did enough to to win. Um, you know, I think there are a couple of occasions where the Brumbies, uh, you know, their, their second penalty shot, you could see very much why they took it, but uh, I feel like there were a couple more attack opportunities that they could have utilized there. I think I, I almost would have at that stage of the game, because I think it was 9-6 at that stage. I almost would have gone, felt like it would be good, it would be better to go for the, uh, close line at that point because attack opportunities were so few and far between. Like I yeah. think the, 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 Sean Maloney at one point said the majority of the game has been played between the two twenty-two lines. So then you were hardly ever in the opposition twenty-two. Yeah, and what a game it was! I want to first mm. year. Uh, the the crazy thing is that that Chiefs side even in the rain have hadn't scored under twenty points the whole season. So to hold them to yeah. nineteen and a try right at the end was at one hell of a defensive effort from the Brumbies. There is no doubt about that. That yeah. that which I don't think the Brumbies aren't known as a as a 
non-defensive team, but I don't think it's what has always highlighted them. You always know the Brighton Bears because they're clinical. They yeah. they make you pay for your mistakes. This Chiefs team is equally, I think, the best defensive team in the uh, in the competition, rightfully so. I think the most points they've given up is like 24 or something like that, 25. So they're both teams very good defensively. And like you said, if you're going to beat the Chiefs, especially from a Brumbies point of view, you have to beat them. You can't wait for the game to come mm. to you and hope for a mistake, I, I think. Um, so, yeah, I think the Brumbies will go back and watch over a couple of things. But I think what I actually think, and I'm, wouldn't have surprised me, if that game was in Canberra, like if the result would have twisted on its head. Like I think home yeah. ground advantage played a, a huge part. You know, when you're in that wet condition, when it's a defensive slugfest, I don't think many people understand the power of a 16th man and the, the fans in, in, in the mighty Waikato and Hamilton, what they would have done, and vice versa if it had been in Canberra. So I think with the way the tournament's set up, it's it's so important to get that one and two spot, as we're now seeing, mm. to, to, to be able to be playing at home. This is what back-to-back year that one and two have made the finals now, um, or the, the grand finals. So, yeah, look, Brumby's hell of a season. I did have a little question come up now. I know Jack Debrasini only played, I think it was about 30-odd minutes in the end and had a head knock, but... Semi-final, quarter-final, Jack Debrasini started over Noah Lolosio. From an Australian rugby point of view, is there, I don't know, like, Jack Debrasini's a very much of the, the, the Carter-Gordon build where big kick, wins the kicking battles, obviously has a massive boot, is a bit taller, a bit more physical. Um, what, do you, what do you make of that? I think it's, a, it's sort of <sighs> realising that early in a game, you're going to need that sort of more physical 10 to to withstand the early hits. Like, you know, opening a few minutes of a game, everyone's fresh, the hits are, are hard, right? And then Noah's game opens up more when people are a bit tired, when people are falling off tackles a bit more, where fatigue sets in a bit more, where he's that slippery style of playmaker. So I think it's recognised, and it might be a, a, a general shift in Australian rugby of permanently carrying two tens, one who is of a bigger frame and one who can take advantage when um, things are a bit more worn down and, and fatigued, you know? And I think you've sort of talked about a, a similar issue, not not quite the same thing, but with how the All Blacks carried... Uh, Bowden Barrett and Richie Malonga, and then they complement each other at different t- different times of the game, sort of suits their different styles of play. Um, and yeah, you know, maybe that's something that Eddie Jones is saying that he's bringing to the Wallabies, and that's why the uh, Brumbies have been doing that. You know, the Waratahs carried both Donaldson and Ed Med at various points uh, together to on one starting one on the bench at different points throughout the season as well, where they experimented with it a bit, but not a whole lot. So maybe it's a trend. I'm not. Uh, I'm not really sure. Uh, for me, I think it, it's still it, none of the tens are still standing out that that much. I think Carter Gord for me is still the standout ten in the Australian Super Rugby competition thus far. Um, and you know, Quade overseas is still probably the man at the top of the pecking order. Um, and from early reports out of you know from just. You know, the, the little video clips they play between the games and Super Rugby, uh, they interviewed Quaid and he said he was really looking forward to working with Carter. They, re- they specifically interviewed him about Carter Gordon. So it really sounds like that uh, Carter Gordon is the is the number two man behind Quaid Cooper at the moment, um, which is interesting because, you know, last year it was James O'Connor uh, who was that uh, second 
10 slash sort of versatile back pick. Uh, Noel Olesio was in there at different points, but uh, was probably number three in the pecking order. So it looks like Carter Gordon's leapfrogged Noah completely into that number two spot. Yeah, and then, I mean, very good points. It's interesting. And at 25th, so in six days' time, uh, the Wallaby squad gets named, and we'll touch base on the All Black squad later. But another point from that game, in my mind, I know the Brumbies have finished at the same point they finished last year, but what Stephen Larkham did, what I think Mm. would be arguably probably a slightly less squad when you look at it. You know, there was no Ira Simone this year. There's a couple of players that left. I know they're going to be even more decimated next year, but I know Eddie Jones, there's been talks there for Hank, and we, we, we know he's pushed that behind, that he's, he's just focused on the Rugby World Cup. But uh, it wouldn't surprise me if, if down the line, a couple of years down the line, he welcomes Larkham into his, yeah. into his circle of trust I'd because the way, the way he's coached has been fantastic, I think. He hasn't made a strategical error throughout the whole yeah. season and got them as far as I think they possibly could go. And he's a, look, he's, a, you know, former great uh, Wallaby attacking player as well, and it's something that they could very much use his mind for. Um, I was just looking up the stats for you here on the best defensive team in the comp. It was the Chiefs at 261, and then the next is, surprise, surprise, the Crusaders. So the two best defensive teams will be going at it here uh, in the finals, and the Chiefs were the best attacking team, and then it was your Hurricanes, actually, were the second best uh, attacking team, followed by the Brumbies, um, and then the Crusaders. Yeah, so I Crusaders think, were the fourth best attack. See, see that, that's what impressed me so much with that game, the semi-final, was the Brumbies are known as a, an attacking team, yeah. and the defensive, like, the, the, the Chiefs scored in the last, like, what was it, four minutes, so mm. you know, 76 minutes, no tries against the best attacking team in the comp, that was, they, they met them physically, they just unfortunately yeah. weren't quite 100%. able to get over the line. Shall we quickly discuss this final? Yeah. Now, before we get into the predictions, uh, obviously Chiefs versus Crusaders, everyone knows that. It's happening in Hamilton, as we've mentioned earlier in the podcast. Two wins from two for the Chiefs this year. This is the third time they meet. It's a battle of the number 10s with Richie Moonga and Damian McKenzie ideally putting their hand up to say, pick me for the first game of the Rugby Championship. Husey, who do you have winning this one, my friend? Uh, this, this is really tough. It's really, really tough to pick because on uh, you, you look at it on paper, Chiefs have won two from two this year, but that was earlier in the year, sort of after the halfway point. The Chiefs have slowed down a little bit, you know. Uh, they've had two really close final games, you know, against, the, the, against two Australian teams as well and hosting them at home. You know, the Reds were leading for most of that game and the Chiefs sque- squeezed it away at the end. And the Brumbies, they had the upper hand the whole time, but it was very, very close. It was it, w- it was not a comfortable seat in the house until about the 78th minute, I think, for the Chiefs. Uh, but as we said, past history, I'm just trying to look when the last time they played was. Uh, it was round all the way back in... God, I'm going to embarrass myself here by taking ages to find it um round 10 right so that's seven weeks ago now quite a quite a bit of time it'll be eight weeks by the time that they play quite a bit of time back there and the crusaders have been extraordinary in the last in the last two weeks in the quarterfinal and the semifinal they've put up 101 points (laughs) right and conceded 23 
right? That's that's incredible. The they they barely they lost to the Hurricanes by one point in the final week. Smashed the Waratahs the week before. Smashed Moana Pacifica the week before. Beat the Blues the week before that. Beat smashed the Force the week before that. And then the week before that is when they lost to to the Chiefs. So they've been on a pretty pretty good run of form, you'd say. A couple of blips on the radar. But that's an important thing, I think, is that these Crusaders aren't immortal, right? They're not, you know, they are, they're Achilles. They have their Achilles heel, you know. They can be they can be beaten. The Chiefs seem to have the formula this year. So I'm going to go with the Chiefs now. I feel like I don't. I can't tell if that's the safe option or the crazy option. You know, it's just is because they they've won twice this year, but it's the Crusaders in the finals. You know, like that's what, tough. What, what can you say? What can you say? Yeah, you're and not I wrong. Think, I think what's going to make it this even tougher than earlier in the season when the Chiefs hosted the Crusaders earlier in the season is that this is the final, so Crusaders fans will make the trip. They'll flood the stadium. You know, they they will travel for the final as they did last year. So it will not be the same atmosphere. No, um, I my prediction now. So, Fiji went into Crusaders' house. I picked Fiji to win. Blues went into the Crusaders' house. I picked the Blues to win. Prove mm. wrong twice. The Reds went into the Chiefs' house. I picked the Chiefs to win. Chiefs won. The Brumbies went into the Chiefs' house. I picked the Chiefs to win. Chiefs won. Would I be dumb enough to go against the Crusaders three times in a row? No, I'm not. The Crusaders are going into the Chiefs' house, all right, and they're going to take this game. And as I said two weeks ago when Fiji were going to end the dynasty, the dynasty continues, <laughs> and the Crusaders add another fucking title to their fucking reign, and we all look like idiots trying to play this competition. So you've gone... So you've picked the Chiefs <laughs> the last two weeks, the Chiefs have won, now you're going against that, and you've picked against the Crusaders the last two weeks, and the Crusaders have won, and so you're going the opposite of that so you're so really you, breaking your trend you know what that means put your put your house on the chiefs because yeah. <laughs> i'm not picking right but yeah. um responsibly obviously but yeah. yes i uh, again i think i just think it's one of those it's one of those crusaders magic where last year it was the blues the blues were looking like they were going to finally win a title mm. and then the crusaders just snatch it away this year it was the chiefs the chiefs have looked so good this whole year they've beat the crusaders twice and then you'll get right to the end everyone's like yay not another crusader crusaders win again mm-hmm. so i'm just i'm just i'm building myself to not be surprised when it happens again if you know what i mean like i'm over yeah. the surprises i'm always like they can't surely they can't win it again and then they win it again so there we go. Hell of a Super Rugby season so far. I'm yeah. sure best matchup we've got for the final. I'm sure it would be good either way. I am interested as well if uh, obviously the NRL Grand Final does this. You know, Super Bowl A League has now started doing this. If it was hosted at a neutral venue, what would happen? So like an Eden Park. Like I think if it's hosted at Eden Park. You sell out Eden Park, even with Christchurch or uh, um, mm. Crusader fans and Hamilton fans, where there's sixty thousand. I just think for the spectacle, it would actually be quite a cool idea to actually have it at there. Like I imagine, same thing if it was two Australian teams, you could have it at Sydney and yeah. I, I think the fact that because it's uh, because it is cross country and it's, it's, it's multiple countries now, it's probably a bit too logistically difficult with the size of super rugby as is now if super rugby was bigger i think it would be 
it could be uh, it could be feasible, but I think at the current side, I agree. I agree as well, uh, and I'm I'm not bothered by. It. I'm just you know it's I think Hamilton's about thirty thousand, maybe just under thirty thousand. Mm. So they could easily move it up to Eden Park, and I reckon sell that out for fifty five ish thousand. Um, but either way, going to be a good final. Now, don't know why this has happened, but it has a week beforehand. The final of a Super Rugby, they've decided to name the All Blacks team. So no pressure mm. to those players that are playing in the final and have been selected in the All Blacks. Um, yeah. But they've done it that way. I don't know why. Don't know who made that decision, but it happened. Um, some obviously some big names have have missed out. Some big names have made it. Uh, the big names that missed out: Akita Ayoane missed out. Hoskins Satutu missed out. Brad Weber missed out. No place for Levi Amua in there, and Sean Stevenson is in the squad, but as injury backup um, for Mark Talia, who will miss the first couple of rounds. Uh, for the players that have made it, Samapinai uh, Finau, I probably butchered his first name, I'm going to mm. get better at that, uh, Finau made it from the Chiefs, he's in number six, he's just very deserved. Uh, Cam Roygaard, that's a big plus for my uh, yeah. Hurricanes, Uh Dallas McLeod in the centres slash outside back. Mm-hmm. Amoni Nawai uh, has also made it. And I think that's the four. And then George Stevenson as... Oh, and Tamatai Williams also making it in the front row, which is huge. 144-kilogram prop. Um, and the skill he showed and possessed in that semi-final was out of this world. So yeah. I'm actually really happy with this All Black squad the more and more I look at it. Foster has... Hasn't just stuck to his guns, what he had for the past three years. He's brought in a couple of new players, has mm. realised where we need to be better and picked based on guys who have played really well this year. Um, so I'm I'm very excited to see, A, how this team goes, B, the teams to follow with the Wallabies and Springboks. I know Springboks already had a squad, but when they fully named their team, and the Pumas, and see how this team matches up against them. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I have been seeing a lot on Instagram, actually, and I think it's a really good thing is that Tanya Latupo and Angus Bell have been rehabbing from injury together and, you know, pranking each other, doing all sorts of funny stuff together. I think that's really good to have props developing some chemistry like that. Uh, I think the Australian front row could be very fearsome if, if Tanya Latupo gets back to his old form and Bell is healthy, you know, with uh, James Slipper and Alan Alatoa as well. Like yep. you've got, if that's your front row rotation, like your prop rotation, and you've got a couple of hookers in uh, Parecki and Lonigan, I'd say. Pretty, pretty, pretty damn good. Yeah, I was honestly, I was running through my, which I'm about to probably release either tonight or tomorrow, my predicted 36 Wallabies for the uh, rugby championship. And I went, man, if those props stay healthy, that's, that's a... That's a troubled squad. And then I just, I sit there, man, and every single time I look at your locks and I go, fuck, how do you not fit Will Skelton into this? Yeah, like, yeah. It's it's it really with how locks, you know, I think Nick Frost is probably the standout lock for Australia in Super Rugby at the moment, right? And then Jed Holloway. Yeah. And then Caden K- Neville, I guess. I guess. But, but yeah, that's, that's the thing. You're now selecting... Just based off having to select, like, exactly. like I, Jeremy Williams is another good one from the, the Western Force who I think to put his hand up over the Super Rugby season. But I'm like, yeah. I don't know if he's put his hand up enough to earn an international cap. Like when you've got yeah. the likes of Will Skelton playing the well way he has. But again, 
I sat in that position, the same position. I can only select three overseas players. You can't not select Kuruvian, Korobeti, so you're less mm. deciding do you want a first five or a lock. And with the cattle you've currently got at first five, it's, it's yeah, the I same feel, thing. I feel like Eddie's just got to be campaigning day and night to expand the ghetto law. Like Even you if he got to. one more. even like I, I think yeah. two more makes, makes a, t- a whole lot of sense. But even if he just said, look, I can sit here and name you the four players I will be picking throughout, yeah. like, and I can name you a backup because the, probably the backup would be Bernard Foley if Quaid couldn't go. Yeah, and I go those four. You have those four. You don't actually like as much as I think you could open it up more. You don't like those four can be justifiable. I, I yeah. sit there. Hundred like, percent. Like, you can't. It, it's the old. You know how you have to get like a, a, someone a, a visa, um, a sponsored visa when they come in. You've got to be able to show that you haven't got that ability in your country to be able to do yeah. it. They're like this person. Those four, you could sit there and say, we don't have four players with the ability better than these players. Now, you might mm. be able to slightly do it for someone else, like a Bernard Foley or even a, a Richie Arnold or something like that. But those four are world-class players that need to be in the squad. 100%. I will just say quickly, because I think it's worth a shout-out, that James Slipper is 34 years old. I think he's playing his best rugby that he's ever oh, yeah. played. Yeah. I yeah. think he's absolutely playing his best rugby. And I would and not be surprised signed, to see him while he'll be captain. He's just signed on till twenty twenty five as well. So I believe I years. believe you're right. So the, the money hasn't um, enticed him because he could, I'm sure, could earn a decent bit of a bit of coin overseas. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, he's and he's on track to break uh, George Gregan's record as most capped wallaby. If, if he plays through his twenty twenty five contract, and could he? He could break. Wyatt Crockett's, I think, Super Rugby caps as well. Like he could, he could realistically. I'm pretty sure he's up there because he hasn't had a lot of injuries, like massive injuries. Yeah, that he is. Uh, 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 yeah, and then I, I assume he'll want to. Ideally, will fairy tale British and Irish Lions to to finish off his career is, is probably the goal we looked at. Which, again, yeah. that see that 2020 like that British and Irish Lions series, it yeah. is a. a, a, a it keeps people coming back, I would say. Like, yeah. uh, again, I imagine if we had a 2025 one, Leicester Whanganuku may have thought of it a bit differently. I think it is one of those things that would make a decision yeah. to hold off or hold on. Um, yes. Uh, Coach's Corner, just quickly, there isn't a lot of news in the coaching world, uh, but I just thought I'd touch base. Ian Foster, obviously, just selected his squad. Uh, obviously, he's just here until the end of this year. This is his do or die year, I think he's been quite brave with his picks. He could have just gone, you know, I'm going to die on my sword and back the players that I've always backed. And if they do the job, then great. If they don't, they don't. I think he's taking a couple of risks. I think introducing some of these new guys is fantastic for New Zealand rugby and for himself. It's it's bigger picture stuff where a lot of people are going to judge Ian Foster for there's a couple of selections there that people won't agree with and you're never going to make everyone happy. But mm. he... Could have gone a lot safer, and I think him taking those risks shows that he's actually buying into the bigger picture of New Zealand rugby. It's bigger than just himself, which I think he has never had a problem with. I think the media has definitely portrayed him, and the fans of, of New Zealand rugby has portrayed him as, oh, he just wants a job, he just wants to do this. No, he knows New Zealand rugby. He's been a part of yeah. it for very long. He wants the best for it. I, um, yeah, I just I saw that in these selections and with the team around him. Yep. You know, tilt my hat to him. Now, last couple of points. A couple of rugby union teams that have been selected that have striking fear into my soul. Mm. Samoa, Fiji, and Tongan squads have been named for 
kind of pre-World Cup um, games, and I don't know if they've got a tournament, but definitely games. I did a bit of a review on what my Fijian squad would look like just before they dropped their squad. Did you um, see Sammy Rodrada in there? <laughs> yes, he is. He definitely is. They Honestly, they could make a team, like half of their outside backs, like some of the guys I had to leave out, I just sat there and was like, holy shit, like they have just talent non-stop, and especially mm. around the outside backs, inside backs. Um, yeah, but there are some names that are obviously making his headlines, as Rafael, uh, so on. Charles Piertel for Tonga as well, another big one in New Zealand are making switch. Samoa named their squad, and there was quite a few names that are uh, interesting to see. Christian Leliafano, obviously former Wallaby, Moana Pacifica, selected in the Samoan squad. Uh, Lima Sopawonga, former All Black, selected in the Moana Pacifica, uh, Moana, in the Manu Samoa squad. Uh, there was also Charlie Farmawina, I believe, uh, who's a former All Black, Jeffrey Tumwanga Allen. A lot of talent there. And I think a lot of these squads are going to go very much under the radar come to World Cup time and will surprise some teams when they go into those pools because I don't mm. think, like, for so long, you know, those those teams haven't been ultra competitive. I don't want to say they haven't been competitive, but they haven't been ultra. With this new ruling of, you know, the I think it's three years or whatever it is, the stand down um, to change countries, I think it's just probably been one of the greatest things for rugby mm. ever. Like, Lima Sopawong was never going to play a game for the All Blacks again. No fault of his own. He went over, took money. You do get that bag, as we always say. Get that mm. bag. But I must say, I think it's great that now he can represent Samoa. 100%. It's good to build up those uh, teams. You know, we've seen Christian Lele Afano as well. Uh you know, former Wallaby, uh, go over and improve Moana Pacifica. And I bel- did he get named in the Samoa squad? Yes, yes. Yeah, so there you go as well. He's, you know, special player and a guy has been through a lot of adversity as well, it has to be said. Uh, and, I mean, look, he he's the last game they had a, against the, the Waratahs, he played his skin off. So, yeah, hats off to him. Yeah, hats off to all those players, and it will be exciting as we get closer to the World Cup and see those squads fully named, who's in, who's out, who they'll be playing in pool matches, and so on. The last bit, and it's probably the opposite way, is for this team, the Welsh Rugby Union falling apart right in front of our eyes. Mm. Warren Gatlin coming out and actually saying, if he knew how bad it was, he wouldn't have taken the job and regret taking the job. When you've got someone of that stature saying that. Wow, that's big. Massive. You've had three or four players, I think it's four now, up to four players who have removed themselves from contention of the World Cup squad, one being Alan jones and I know people mm. were saying he was past his prime and stuff, I get it, but he was still uh, uh, a considerable figure in that squad, uh, and now you've got, um, yeah, with Gatlin saying that, you just sit around and you go... This is going to be an interesting... It's an interesting time in Wales rugby already, mm. and it's going to be even more interesting how they respond to this at the World Cup, how long Gatlin's there for. Um, he loves the challenge, but this this, this is starting to look one one too far for, for me. And you look at their pool. It's the Australia, yeah. Wales, Fiji, Georgia pool. That That's two games, Fiji, Georgia, that are not going to be easy pickings if a side is dysfunctional come World 100%. We could, we could very easily see from that pool Australia, Fiji go through, Australia, Georgia go through, mm-hmm. and Wales miss out. 
And like, I think Australia, I think Eddie Jones is probably salivating at hearing the downfall of Wales rugby because he means he's got a free ride through the pool stages almost, right? Um, and, but then, yeah, I think the, the real interesting part comes from the second team to come out of that pool. I It would be uh, amazing for Georgia to come through that and really uh, put the screws on for their um, bid to expand the six nations into a seven nations or get them and South Africa in and make it at eight nations. I think we'd rather keep South Africa out than, you know, keep it a, uh, seven nations, but that would, I think that would, you know, really ratchet the pressure up for that. Totally. Yeah. I, I, and the thing is, I don't think it would surprise me that greatly if it happened, you know what I yep. mean? Like I wouldn't be sitting here like, Oh, Wales missed out in the quarterfinals. I'd be like, well, we saw, we saw this coming. I, you know, it's it's it is sad for me of, of Welsh heritage, um, and I love Wales rugby. So it is uh, to and you know watching the playing, uh, they're like when Australia's not playing, they're probably the team that I'm next rooting for the most. So it is sad to see it going so poorly. But yeah, they've got to something's got to change there. Something's got to get fixed. Totally, yeah. Like everyone loves a good a strong Welsh outfit. It's good for the for the rugby and the people love the sport. Uh, so yeah, it does. It needs to be fixed, and I'm, I'm, we're we're hoping it gets fixed. I just think it's not gonna, probably going to get fixed before the World Cup. If, if Gatlin's mm-hmm. already saying that, but yeah, uh, final. Obviously, we'll be co- uh, co- catching you up on all the good bits from that next week, as well as the Wallaby squad. And mm. then we're only like I think 24 days away from the Rugby Championship kicking off. We're not we're far. We're very away. very close. Very Three very close. Away. Am I right? Rugby Championship. Let's have a look here. Rugby Championship uh, fixtures and results. Eighth of July. So, so nineteen yeah, days. Yeah. There you go. Nineteen days. Three weeks mm-hmm. away from Rugby Championship kickoff. Um, so stick with us as we run you through all the good bits coming up there. We will be having a Super Rugby Award Show at some point as well. Um, so stay tuned for that. Other than that. One hell of a week. Up the mighty Crusaders. I don't think you'd ever... Jesus Christ. No, get, get me okay, saying cut that. the stream. Cut it. <laughs> get it out. Something's happened. Uh, all right. Thank you for joining us. We've been. I've been Luke. This has been That Rugby Podcast. That's been Husey. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Peace.